Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to the Doctor Who Series 2 Recap, Burning Up a Sun Just to Say Goodbye. For this bonus episode, we're talking about our favorite episodes from Series 2 of Doctor Who. We'll also be taking a look at some of the broader themes and character development over the course of the second series. We recommend that you finish watching the full series before listening to this episode. All right. So, since we're talking about Doctor Who, I get to go first, as usual. Yeah. And um, I I was apparently embroiling myself in a controversy, by, <laughs> or, or, you know, by simply admitting the fact that um, I like what I'm going to list as my favorite episode for this series, Love and Monsters. Um, yep. Yeah, and I guess, I, I, you know, and I meant to look into a little more kind of that, but then I didn't want to, like... I didn't know if there were other spoilers, so I didn't mm. look it up before the end of of the series here. Um, but I I was thinking sort of about that, like after you told me that it was um, a bit of a controversy for for there to be. Uh, it, I guess it, it's one of those things you said, like people either hate or love, right? Sure, it's, yeah. It's it's, it's kind of like you know either you're you're gung-ho for it or not and and that doesn't necessarily mean like people who love it it's their favorite episode but they they just really like it right yeah yeah right um, you, you sort of either get it or don't there's very few sort of lukewarm sentiment yeah. around it i think and and so i was trying to think of of why so i i have five reasons it'll take me about an hour and a half to go through them all and <laughs> no i'm just kidding obviously um no i i don't know how many i actually came up with but um I guess I'll just sort of list them and we can talk about them and then and then we'll see uh, see where we can go from there. Well, I mean, we'll talk about your favorite episode too, I guess. But um, <laughs> but no, yours is a good one too. I don't want, I won't. No spoilers. But um, <laughs> I think so. There's there's a couple things. One one I'm going to start sort of broad and just you know I think it's really just a preference thing, um, which most things boil down to anyway. But yeah. for me, I do tend to like. Um, stories that have a little bit different structure than than the norm, right? I, yeah. I so you and I have talked about this um, not in relation to this podcast before, but um, and and I know obviously you're very familiar, but just so, sort of for our, our readers' sakes, I mean, we both know that there's there's no true thing as originality, right? Okay. <laughs> that yeah. the, the, the the concept of originality and storytelling just is is sort of a, a, a red herring, so to speak. It's yeah. you know, and 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 um for our listeners that who don't know, Kat and I, one of the many things that we study is medieval literature and and of course back in in medieval times and even earlier, people just didn't really care as much as they at least pretend to care now about being original and yep. storytelling. So, you know, I tend to be okay a lot of times with things that, that have formulaic uh, things and, and, and Dr. Who and Buffy both have mm -hmm. their, their formulas, right? I mean, um, Buffy is perhaps more procedural driven than Dr. Who in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, thinking of sort of like, you know, it's not like law and order, but it's, it's got that sort of, three act yeah you know you, you have your you have your setup and then your 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 second act downfall and then the denouement yeah. and then doctor who seems to be you know similar in certain ways each episode you get kind of you, you know these um you, you you have a place where you're going to and you're really excited about being there and then you find out that there's something wrong you right. know some kind of monster or or something that's not happening the way it should be yeah you learn a little more about the monster and you realize that either the doctor has faced it before or hasn't faced it before but has something that he can do to yeah you know reduce it or every now and then the companion will be the one to mm -hmm. um you, you know fix it and then that's that's that yeah um so having said all that and having said that I'm okay with sort of the formulaic stuff I do tend to like when stories break a little bit out of that mold yeah. um yeah so so this one clearly does um mm -hmm. and and even um not just in the the linear part of the story which 
of course we start out here, right? Because we we kind of get the you, you he kind of tells the middle of the story first, right? And then goes back, and then we then we reach the middle to where he was, and right? Then and then he says, continue like, "This on. is where you came in," and then right, we exactly. go past that. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. You know, so so that's kind of cool. I you know I like that in storytelling, and that's I mean even that in itself is a formula. I mean they're certainly not the first people to have done that kind of storytelling before, um, but also just sort of in the format of, um, you know, the handheld camera, um, the sort of the self-directed uh, uh, documentary style kind of thing. Um, I do tend to like movies like District Nine or mm-hmm. like Blair Witch Project and those mm-hmm. kind of things that are, um, you know, well, Blair Witch is sort of like the found footage. This isn't quite that, yeah. but it's, you know, it's more like, um, yeah, more like a documentary style in a lot of ways. Although you get you you get a lot of breaking of it, too. You know, I mean, yeah. there's obviously a lot of parts where it's just sort of following Elton or following um, like the flashbacks to the doctor and stuff that obviously aren't you know, being camcorder and that kind of thing. So I think for me personally, just the, the sort of non-traditional way the story is told is, is, is part of the reason why I like it. Um, you know, yeah. that might be one reason why people don't like it. Maybe people I, I like think, I think that's more probably, of a linear. Yeah, no, I mean, because I think like, I mean, we talked at length about people having problems with the monster. And I think that's probably the biggest turnoff for a lot of people. But I think sure. for some people, they're resistant um, to the idea of the Dr. Light and the idea of of breaking the fourth wall and screwing mm. with the timeline and all that kind of stuff. I think that's more difficult. And, and that's where you kind of wish people would take another look and, yeah. you know, and kind of really see, like, it is just fun to be sort of unexpected and sort of experimental with other yeah. ways to tell the story. Um, yeah. And I think it adds a lot to the story. Like we talked a lot about how seeing the Doctor and Rose from another angle tells us more about them. So even though it's not d- about them directly, that doesn't mean we're still not gaining information about our leads. Right. Um, right. But it's right. also getting to have some other characters in the spotlight, you know, so right. getting to know Elton really well or getting to know more about Jackie. Um, yeah. Well, and yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's all right. I don't have any disagreement with any of that per se. I think um, like kind of getting on, you know, so going even beyond sort of the structure of it, I, like I said, I think that's just a preference thing. I don't either you like those sort of things or you like more linear stories or, Mm-hmm. Or maybe you like both, or maybe it doesn't matter. I do think that that's, that's one of like the least reasons. Like, yes, I'm sort of drawn to that, but I think you still have to have a good story yeah. to do that sort of thing with. And I think that's kind of where you're getting at as well, is that beyond sort of the superficial nature of how the story is told, I think the story itself is a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the alien has problems. Um in the way it looks, I don't know that, like, I, well, I mean, part of the way it looks is part of the way the alien acts, too. So, like, the idea that, of it, the, the, the idea, idea of, there's a kernel of a good idea there. I think. There is a kernel yeah. of a good idea. And I think, I think probably, and this is also a preference to, you know, so I can understand people who don't like this sort of thing. I think, you know. We've not had some of the greatest villains in Buffy either, thinking mm-hmm. of like the puppet show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, there's just some goofy stuff like that that happens. I think for me, it's more about how do the characters react in that situation. Um, yeah, it might not be the most terrifying creature in the world or alien or whatever, but if. It is interesting to me to think that there is an alien out there who's obsessed with finding the doctor and who manipulates yeah. people who are obsessed with finding the doctor in in a way that, um, you know, in a, in a way that they can, um, and it, so that he can find it and ultimately absorb him for his own nefarious purposes. Now, yeah. you know, calling it an absorbaloft and and making it look like you know a weird big blobby thing and. <laughs> 
and you know, okay, like that's fine. Like I don't, I'm not as concerned about that. I can sort of overlook yeah. the physical aspects of the monster because, because I do think it's interesting to have, um, you know, a creature like that who has clearly been looking for the doctor for some time and, and is sort of, um, exerting this control over, uh, you know, over these humans who, you know, really, I mean, the stories about, I mean, the stories from Elton's perspective, obviously. And, and, and so, and ostensibly it's sort of about him, but it's also about just sort of the idea, which I think is a broader theme in Dr. Who, just the idea of companionship, right? It's not mm-hmm. companionship in the way that companions are companions to the doctor. It's right. companionship in, in the way that they get together and look for the doctor. But in the, I mean, really, it's not about looking for the doctor. It's about right. finding someone who you can get along with and have fun with and, and finding that sense of community. Yeah. Um, yep. Y- you know, and so, and maybe listening to a little ELO every now and then. <laughs> um, I'll sort of run through a couple of my other ones because I don't um, know. I mean, I'm sure you want to weigh in here. And, and we didn't really specify how long <laughs> we would talk about each of our I know. I episodes. thought of that as soon as we started. <laughs> um, I'm like, we'll just kind of see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so those are, so those are kind of two reasons I like it. I like Mark Warren. Yeah. I think he's a great actor. I, I loved him in Hustle, um, as Danny Blue. I thought he did a great job, uh, here as well. So, you know, I mean, I just think he's a good actor. Uh, so that's another reason why I liked it. Um, and I think along the lines of what you were saying before is that you do get information about Rose and about the doctor, but especially about Jackie. Yeah. Um, it may be Dr. Light, but I understand the wanting to have a show called Dr. Who to always be about Dr. Who. Mm-hmm. But we also are watching a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and not every episode is about Buffy. It's sure. also about the people around her. Yeah. And, and so I think... Quite frankly, it would be boring to have a show that's always just about the doctor. Yep. Um, and and I think that this sort of respite does give you a sense of a broader world um, mm-hmm. that it could get a bit myopic if you're looking only at the doctor every episode. Yeah. Um, and so I think putting putting this in context um, and the themes that we can talk about even in in here the themes of. Um, ones left behind Mm -hmm. the ones who don't get to go off and visit other places like Rose did, like Mickey and even eventually Jackie did. Um, You know, I just, I think that, that it's, that it's good to sort of remember that this is in a broader context uh, than just the doctor, his TARDIS and where he happens to be at any particular moment. So uh, I like that aspect of it uh, as well. So th- those are kind of my main reasons. I-, I may think of others as we're going through, but those were sort of the ones I settled on as, as why I think this, for those people who love it, great, good, <laughs> I'm there with you. Uh, for those who don't, I think, uh, I think it would behoove you to take a second look at it, maybe in, in some of those aspects. Yeah. So. No, and just like the, the kind of foreshadowing that it's able to do that, you know, by looking at Elton and this idea of, and again, using that, that idea of the, of the monster as something that absorbs you and obsesses Mm -hmm. you and that idea of obsession and taking that to then look at Elton as someone who just has this peripheral experience with the doctor, but the way that his sort of world comes crashing around him, you know, but through very little contact with the doctor the yeah. way that sort of that's just an intriguing idea because you kind of get the idea that like there are you could tell that story about hundreds of other people who have just fleeting encounters like what other sort of domino effects are being set off by mm-hmm. by the doctor and the companion traveling around yeah. that because we only stay with them we don't see the people who are on the fringes or who stay behind when they take off um, right. and have to and, deal with the consequences and everything. So it's such a clever 
way to look at, like you said, the broader context of the story. Yeah. 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 No. And I, I like how they really, how they integrated it into back in, in the first season with, um, you know, the, Autons, right yeah you know, right. Like that he's kind just of thing. Like, like a step away from them the whole time yeah he's, yeah. He, he's right there he's just sort of brushing the tangent of the doctor like yeah. sort of all along the way and and obviously come to find out you know his first experience with the doctor actually was a very significant event yeah. in his life but at that point i mean he technically meets the doctor but he doesn't know who he is or why he's there or anything about him so yeah yeah very interesting um, no, I, so, I, I, and I, and I'm kind of with you that, um, I think the fact that you do have the formula makes, I think, uh, tell me if you think this is right. I think for both, for both Buffy and Dr. Who that have sort of a general formula, you kind of know the beats of an episode, how it goes. Mm-hmm. You, you need that to sort of establish your comfort and your familiarity, because I don't think you would get as involved if every episode was completely come at from a different angle. You need that in a, in a serial drama. I think that kind of repetition sets up a certain amount of familiarity, but you need that to make the episodes that do break the mold all that more special. And I think that's why we love them when they do, because they are refreshing and surprising. And I can think of, later episodes of Doctor Who that are kind of weird in that way. And you sure. do really like them for that reason. I'm sure we'll have some in Buffy too. Absolutely. Um, and, and the fact that most of the episodes do follow more of a linear or a doctor centric point of view makes those episodes stand out all the more. So mm. I'm with you that I tend to also like the ones that do come at it from a different angle or try to do something sort of, unusual and unexpected with the story yeah 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 absolutely um and there's you know there's some funny little aspects to it too like you know the absorbed laugh being from the slithine's twin planet <laughs> there um i can't clum. remember clum yeah that's clum. right i'm yeah. like i couldn't remember clum. <laughs> and yeah. i've i've lost my ability to say what uh uh no i'm not gonna try it Raxacoracophalbatorius. Raxa, that one, yes. That one. Yeah, I, yeah, I haven't practiced. I haven't kept up. <laughs> um, but I will retain it someday. Uh, so, yeah. So that's my that's my favorite episode anyway. I know we spent a lot of time talking about it. and But I did want to just sort of give my, my thoughts on why I liked it. And, and I think um, we can, once you talk about your favorite episode... Um, we can probably use both of those to jump in some of the broader themes of of the entire series because I think uh, I think I think both of them give a good job of that. So why don't you go ahead and and tell me yours? Yeah. Um, well, you got Moffat last time, so I get him this time. So <laughs> uh, I'm I'm gonna go with the girl in the fireplace. Um, yes. Good. And um, you know, like I think I said this in the last episode that the the end of doomsday is really the moment that I fell in love with the show. So part of me Mm. is inclined to sort of pick that, but that's really, that's that last, you know, 15 minutes of that episode. But when I think about it's a, it's a, a it's an amazing emotional climax. But when I think about if I had to pick an episode that as a self-contained piece of work Mm -hmm. sort of does everything for me, Mm. Um, then I have to go back to the girl in the fireplace. Um, and why is that? Um, I think it really is one of those episodes that kind of does everything, you know, it, it, it has a lot of humor, you know, with, um, it's actually, you know, when I was thinking about this, the first time I was watching through, it's kind of the opposite of the the empty child which is very dark and scary and sort Mm. of menacing and creepy and then it has that light you know everybody lives you catastrophic you know exuberant ending and the girl in the fireplace is really the opposite that Mm. when i think of that episode it's all golden light and french beautiful french you know scenery and dresses and everything is so you know kind of 
delicate and and light sort of in its touch um and then you just get to that incredibly mournful sad ending um mm. and so i kind of just like the fact that it takes that turn at the end um and that you kind of don't i mean you don't necessarily expect Renette to sort of get in the TARDIS and go with them, but you don't necessarily expect it to go that way at the end. It's just right. sort of as you're going through, you kind of get the sense of the tragedy, which is sort of looming over them. Well, um, and and the fact that they he spends the whole episode trying to save her, yeah, and yet loses her at the end anyway to natural causes. Right, he's, right. He's saving sa- her from the he, robots, and he then, saves her from the robots, but yeah. she still dies young, pretty yeah. young. Yeah, and, like forty years old or something. Yeah, um, and yeah, and, no, and and kind of like Love and Monsters, it plays with that idea of of the people who only experience the Doctor from the periphery. That this mm. is where again with somebody who only gets him for sort of five minutes every 10 years of her life or something, just these right. little bursts. And you get that idea of that. He becomes this sort of mythic figure for her, that he's a guardian angel rather than, you know, what we're used to seeing as someone more relatable with Rose that, you know, she kind of builds up this idea of the myth of the doctor and everything. Yeah. Um, I just think that works really well. And I think, I mean, it blends, Again, talking about an episode that does everything. I mean, you've got Mickey and Rose kind of in their jeans and T-shirts, like sort of contemporary. But then you've got the far future of the spaceship, you Mm. know. And you've also got the past with, you know, 17th century France. So it's mixing in all of the periods and the robots, but they're like steampunky robots. Yeah, right, like clockwork, and um, and then you know, I, I just think like there's juxtapositions work really well and you know you think of it's such a stunning image of Renette walking through the portal in her ball gown into the like you know dilapidated spaceship (laughs) like if you could kind of put sum up the show in an image that would kind of do it you know that's such a interesting idea and most episodes don't do all of that it's like you're either in the present or the past or the future but that's one where actually they're all sort of blended pretty seamlessly yeah no that's interesting i hadn't quite thought of it that way but you're right like you, um, like most episodes i feel like you can say this is a future episode this is a pa-. i wouldn't know what to call that one you can't right. again about breaking the mold you can't really put it in a box quite as neatly as some other yeah episodes. no you're right it is it is sort of all three um and and you, and you do get – it's not – I mean it's not breaking the fourth wall from an audience perspective, but it's a breaking of the fourth wall from the doctor's perspective almost when Renette's looking through the fireplace and yeah. you know, seeing that. And then like you said, she's stepping into the futuristic world and mm-hmm. um, not quite able to handle it. And you also get the horse. <laughs> the horse. The horse. You're not keeping the horse. You're not keeping um, the horse. You get to keep Mickey. <laughs> and going and going through the I did like yeah, I mean that great yeah, hero yeah. moment of going through the window and everything um, or through the mirror. Um But I think sort of the 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 pleasant audacity that is Renette, um mm-hmm. or or that she has anyway, like you get uh yeah, you get sort of like you said you're not expecting her to jump in the TARDIS, but you get very much the attitude of the companion in that way. She's curious. Yeah. Yeah. She wants to know more. Um and she, yeah, she's afraid of the things that are after her, but she faces the fear in many of the similar ways that Rose comes to face, you know, various Mm-hmm. things that threaten her so um only she does it sort of more naturally and and without like you like you were alluding to she doesn't have the the constant uh, companionship of the doctor right to help her teach that right. it's these short snippets over years so um even in building up that mythology she does a pretty good job of sort of figuring out how to live her life in a sort of doctor ish kind of way yeah yeah well, and and that 
another thing I was, I mean, again, the strength of the acting. I mean, we talked a lot about yeah. Renette and how wonderfully the actress um, played her that completely, you know, is, you know, she's not there for a whole season to make you fall in love with her. She's there for one episode and she just completely is, I think, so confident in that part um, you, that you're just sort of, you just buy her after one scene um mm -hmm. and she just seems of the period but also not um not in a way that feels like she also feels contemporary you don't feel like she's in a period piece and everyone else is in a modern program you feel like they're all part of the same world but mm -hmm. um but also of her time so i think she does a really good job um and one other thing that actually i wanted to mention was i, I was reading something with Moffat recently talking about how to write for a new doctor, especially maybe when you are writing for his first season that you haven't seen him play the part yet. Like, you know, it's sort of like, okay, we cast someone new. You don't really know what he's going to do yet. You can maybe watch some other things that he's done and try to infer or whatever. And how do you deal with that? How do you write for that person? Um, and Moffat saying, you know, what I do when I have a new doctor is just write for the last one. Just, like, I'm just going to pretend like it's the same actor I've been watching hmm. and let them um, do their own thing with it. Interpret actually, it. Yeah. yeah, it's actually funny. They released some Peter Capaldi's recently been cast um, mm -hmm. as number 12, and they released some sides of his auditions. And I know we haven't seen Matt Smith yet, but it's like reading... A Matt Smith it's so his voice and it's kind of interesting it's sort of like well why would you write him like the last doctor but then what you want to do is see him take those lines that you feel like you know how he's going to say it and then do something different with it you know that that's the challenge is don't sound yeah. like the last guy make it your own thing yeah um because he is still the doctor, but he's still the doctor. It's, and, it's 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 about the nuance right and and Moffat was saying like you know that that's that has to be your approach. And he said, for example, when, when David Tennant started and he didn't know what he was going to be like, he said, I just wrote, um, as if it was still Christopher Eccleston. And I, I find that really shocking because this is the Stephen Moffat episode of season two. So he had to have been talking about this episode, right? Like there's no <laughs> other episodes he wrote. I think this episode fits David Tennant like a glove. Like okay. if, if I could almost, it's not necessarily, it's up there with my favorites. It's not necessarily sure. my absolute favorite episode of his, but it's almost like if I could pick one to kind of showcase the kind of things he does, mm -hmm. this would be the one or one of them. It's a well-rounded one, it, yeah. And it's funny to think of Christopher Eccleston. I can't, in my brain, I can't imagine Christopher Eccleston in this episode. It just seems so David Tennant to me. And so it's mm. kind of interesting to think of it like that. And and I think that's one of the things, I think Sophia Miles, who was Renette, was really strong. But I also think this is a great Tenant episode. That, that it has that sort of, and we can talk about the Tenth Doctor and everything, but it has the things that he does well. It has that light sort of comedic touch, which I think is something which is, I don't want to say that the others can't do it, but... There, there's just a tone that he gets in this episode, which I think is sort of unique to him. Um, yeah. Well, and I think so just sort of jumping off on, on several of the points that you made, um, you know, one by, so this is the, what the, this is the fifth episode. It, it's the fourth episode, but that's not including Christmas invasion. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, so it's actually like the fifth episode that we've seen. Yeah. Um, tenant as the doctor. So I think, it is sort of a good place to put that sort of breakout, right? Yeah. Cause you have the, we talked about Christmas invasion and new earth, how together they sort of mirror the first season mm -hmm. um, as far as you have, okay, aliens come to London and yeah. they save London. And then, Oh, now we're going far into the future. And Hey, look, there's Cassandra to sort of remind us that yeah, where we're we far are, into yeah. the future and uh -huh. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then you get, you get Tooth and Claw, which is mm -hmm. the quintessential, um, you know, legend 
is really an alien kind of yeah, story. Right, like, right. Um, and then school, school reunion where, you know, good episode with, with Anthony head, but you know, <laughs> a, again, like, like that, there was a lot of like Mickey in that episode, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, talking about his, um, his stuff there. And then like, um, Right. I don't it's know. Really, it just, it wasn't, it's really it, more about Rose and Sarah Jane in that episode, really. Right, right. That as well. And so, like, again, it's not really focusing on the doctor so much as um, when you get to the girl in the fireplace, which, again, you know, you have Renette. So certainly, I mean, there's other focus on the doctor here. Mm-hmm. But it does, I think, lend itself to be that sort of breakout like you're like I think you're sort of talking about here um, in that in that point where you can finally, even though Moffat wrote it. For the previous doctor, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now we've kind of, we've kind of removed ourselves enough from that doctor that now you can really put your own spin on it. Um, David Tennant can put his own spin on it yeah. as the new doctor. Yeah. So I think that would be my other thing would just be the strength of the performances and how well it seems to sort of, the actors seem to get it and really mm-hmm. gel with the story and kind of get what it was about and know how to play it. So I think... Everything from the writing to the production design to uh, to the acting is just sort of at its height. Um, And it just makes it really well rounded, I think. Yeah. So those would be my my reasons. Very cool. Um, Nice. Well, all right. So and we've already sort of started talking somewhat about the broader themes. is there a particular theme of the season that you, you would like to start with? <laughs> I do, because I have one written down here that you can see, I'm sure. And, <laughs> and well, I mean, I was just thinking sort of about, because there are, there are other seasons where I feel like certain themes are being sort of pulled to the forefront. So I was thinking about season two and looking at all the episodes. And it is kind of amazing how in the early part of the season, a lot of the episodes do have to do with this idea of, lost love you know either through death or separation or something and you don't necessarily notice that until you get to doomsday but then when you realize where this season is going then when i go back and i think about queen victoria and tooth and claw talking about the appeal of the ghost stories is to mm. think that we might see the appeal of the ghost stories seen it. Yes. and that's Jackie, you know, with the army of ghosts. Exactly. You know, that's exactly what she said. Same sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then again, girl in the fireplace. Um, I mean, school reunion, we get a look at some, at a companion who has had to go back and her circumstances are different, but Rose, I think is going to become intimately familiar with what it's like to have to go back after having traveled with the doctor. Um, and then again with love and monsters, I mean, it's not, it, it's not a doctor companion relationship, but it's certainly Elton losing the companionship of all those people that he, you know, found common ground with, um, mm, Ursula, yeah. but then also that whole group of friends pretty yeah, much Lin- Linda, Linda, like he, they all pretty mm, much yeah. are destroyed at the end. Yeah. Um, no, all, I mean, literally, <laughs> so yeah. Except for Ursula's face. Except for Ursula's face in the slab of concrete. So um, it, it is, I think, you know, the, the the whole season is sort of edging you towards thinking about, you know, kind of subliminally preparing you for this idea of lovers, you know, or loved ones being sort of separated from each other. and. Yeah. How do you deal well, with that and what does that mean and everything? And that's interesting because I think you're right. I think they do give you a good head fake right at the beginning because when you're thinking about those stuff in those first few episodes, you're thinking of it in the context of a new doctor. You're not mm-hmm. thinking of it in the context of losing a companion. Sure. Um, so it's a head fake, I think, because they're talking about this stuff and and you're thinking of it. Again, like, you know, you're thinking of, oh, okay, so we have the 10th Doctor now, but it's still the Doctor. So you kind of get over it or get past it. You know, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, there's some adjustments, but we can make those adjustments. And, and yeah, I mean, I you know, I like David Tennant as the Doctor. And I, I don't want to get into too much talking about the Doctor, but I think that that's where 
uh, well, I mean, we can talk about the doctor, just that's not where I'm tending to go not right yeah. now. Like we're, but I, I do think that like when you get those early things about love and, and, um, all of that stuff, it's, it, you're thinking about it as that's sort of what Rose had to go through. Cause it's almost like, even though it is a doctor, it's almost like she did lose a love and is now with someone else. Absolutely, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's, there's that, there's that period of transition there, but I think you're right. I think when you do go back and look at it all, um, rise of the Cybermen, Pete loses Jackie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, and then later in, in army of ghosts and doomsday, you get, you know, you get both Jackie and Pete talking about, well, you're not really my spouse, but right. then you're not well, my Jackie. <laughs> you're, you're close enough. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you get it, you get it on quite a number of themes and, and even in the Satan pit, you have the doctor ready to lose yeah. Rose, you know, ready to be the one to, um, sacrifice himself. Mm-hmm. And vice versa, even. I mean, Rose is ready. This is what the doctor... I know it'll never... Like, we won't survive this, but this is what the doctor would do, so it's the right thing, kind of. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I, I think you're right. I think it hits on pretty much all cylinders. Except maybe the idiot's lantern. I can't think of it. <laughs> well, so, I mean, yeah, they pull her face off, but, you know, that just makes him mad. Right. It does. Yeah. No, I, you're right. That might be the one that doesn't quite... Because there's really no love loss when um, Eddie gets kicked out, I think. No. No, that's more just like a realization of what he's really yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and I think, you know, they don't need to... I don't think they, they, they adhere to that so slavishly that it's screaming out to you. You're not spending no, the whole season... Not. You're not spending the whole season going, all right, I get it. When are we going to lose Rose? Kind of th- like, I don't no. think it's very subtle. I, I had no idea that this was going to be Rose's last episode. Right. I, I mean, doomsday that doomsday yeah. was going to be Rose's last episode. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, you sort of know something is coming, right. I think be- just because it's sort of the end of the season, but you yeah. don't, I mean, I didn't know what that was. So I think you're right. I mean, I don't, until you kind of look back on it, I think that's I think that's good. I think that's a testament to the quality of the show is that it really does, um, you, you know, kind of take you by surprise that that's what it's leading to. But then looking back on it, you're like, you know, the, the breadcrumbs were there. Right. The trail the trail was set. Could have been followed, and and it's yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know, but Rose. Oh, Rose. Rose. Well, what do you want to talk about next? Do we want to talk about characters or, um, I do want to talk about Torchwood, but I don't care okay. which we do first. You can pick. Um, no, let's, well, let's talk about Rose. Okay. Do it. <laughs> Since we're there. I mean, I think I said all I have to say is Rose. It's Rose. No, um, <laughs> no, I mean, Billy Piper's great, but Jeez. I, I take it at this point, it's sort of the last that we'll see of her, at least for a while. And at least until I get to the point where I'm allowed to watch the <laughs> anniversary. I'm going to see her on Saturday. What are you I know, about? right? That's not even right. Um, but no, the, yeah. So, I mean, I guess this is it for her, for her. And I'm, I'm sad by that. Um, yeah. Well, and, and does it even, I, I do not want to dismiss, um, well, I'm sad because I don't get to see her. But I mean, you know, I anyway. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't mind wanna... seeing Billy Piper every week. No, <laughs> I know, I do too. She's great. Um, well, I I don't want to dismiss um, Christopher Eccleston, mm-hmm. um, but you shouldn't. I I shouldn't because he's fantastic. But um, he is. But I think in some ways, losing Rose is maybe even more sort of of a seismic shift for the story than the doctor's changing because mm. like you said, I mean, we are, we did lose a personality and definitely there was a character in the ninth doctor that left that isn't coming back. So it is different, but it's still the doctor, right? You know, there's still mm-hmm. common qualities which carry forward. It's still the same person essentially. Um, but we've had Rose since the first episode. Um, and, yeah. you know, two whole seasons now and the whole family unit and cast of supporting characters that goes with her. Right, um, right. And we so, were talking about 
that. Yeah. Yeah, and and so what you're left with is the doctor on his own. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think in some ways, like it really is even more of a sort of difficult thing. Um, you know, like if yeah. you're the audience sitting at home, um, and I have Stephen Moffat to back me up. He recently, I want to read this out because I think this is really yeah. good what he Go says. Um, he recently did an interview and they sort of asked him about, you know, Billy Piper and what, you know, why is she, you know, so popular and that character and so iconic. So he said, um, when the show first came back, I think it was Billy Piper who brought it back. I think those first two years, that was Billy Piper's show. It was all about Billy and Billy as Rose. Russell was so clever in creating that character and casting that character so perfectly. He allowed an audience who would not naturally have watched Doctor Who, which was practically everybody at the time, to find a way into the show. So she has an iconic status, partly because it was a brilliant performance and a brilliantly written part, but it was also the way back in. Um, and I And I don't want to... I don't want to set up this thing where we say Rose is the best and no one else is ever going to live up to her and it's downhill from there because I think that would be a silly thing for me to say and I don't think it's true. Um, okay. And uh, and there are people who, <laughs> oh, Rose was the best. Everything else sucks after that. It, it, it's nonsense. Yeah. Um, okay. Characters okay. are different. Characters are different. They serve different purposes. And Sure. Um, but I, it is... You know, it almost is that quintessential first kiss, right? Sure you is. always remember it sure your first is. And I think, time. And I yeah. think that's exactly it. And I think she in particular has has a sort of every person way, which is very accessible. And which I think Moffat hit, hits the nail on the head, that that was really the way back in for a lot of people. That, you know, having her to sort of go on the journey with was really important for kickstarting. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then if it, and then things are different after that. And I'm not saying things aren't as good. I'm not saying the show goes downhill, but there's a, there's a sense of happiness. I think that Rose that is surrounded by Rose, which goes with her. Um, and, mm. and things aren't ever quite the same again. And I think, yeah. That's sad. I mean, I think that also makes for some interesting storytelling possibilities. Like, it's not all a bad thing for the story, but um, I don't know. I think she was really important and continues to be important. You know, now you've seen... Even now that she's gone. Even now that she's gone. I mean, we don't want to talk about the Christmas special. I know you've seen it, and you can say she continues to be an important sort of aspect, and that doesn't necessarily go away it I think it could be easy and I wonder I'm not too far into the classic series but the impression I sort of get of it and from what people have said in the little bit that I've watched is that maybe in the classic show it would have moved on from her a little more completely whereas I think the new show is very conscious about um not forgetting where the show's been and mm. keeping that memory alive. And that I think just because she goes doesn't mean that the idea and the character of Rose don't continue to be a part of the story and a part of the Doctor's past. So um, it's not like we suddenly start over and it's like it never happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and I... So. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, we don't want to start talking about this next episode because I'll talk for an hour and a half about it. But um, I think, you know, one of the things, well, you've, you've said so much. Um, so one of the things I keep thinking about is like what you've pointed out with the fact that it's not just Rose, it's the family unit, right? It's Rose and Mickey, it's Jackie and Pete who, you know, wasn't an institutional part of her life for most of it, but now has sort of become that, you know, like even just within the run of, of these few episodes um, that we've seen this season. And then the one last season that we saw him in as well. Yeah. Um, Although different Pete's, but right. Anyway. um, And I think that's significant, significant for a couple of reasons. One, um, I agree with like what you said, like it's, you know, you're just, you're, it's a whole cast of characters that you're losing in a show that doesn't have a large set of 
recurring cast members. Um, so that's, that's the sort of, I guess the regeneration that has to happen or whether that happens or not is maybe a more interesting question this time. Right. It's, it's the, who else does the doctor pull in with him this mm-hmm. time? And, it, and does it become, does he like, he's, we've, we've already seen how he um, didn't want to be part of a domestic <laughs> situation. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he allowed himself to become one. So is that going to be now that he's lost it again? Mm-hmm. Is that going to be something? How does that affect his character? Because it has to. It has right. to affect his character. How does it affect his character? And how is that going to change him? On the other hand, like from Billy Piper's perspective, we already talked a little bit too about how like she's not just sitting back and like reminiscing in the glory days. And and we sort of got the hint, like if you're, you know, we were talking about like the hints that we got along the way. We sort of got a hint of the same thing with Sarah Jane, right? Yeah. She, I mean, it's not like she stopped and, and we saw the doctor's delight and, you know, the good for you when, when she, you know, was, was being assertive and, and not taking no for an answer from mm-hmm. uh, Principal Anthony Head, yeah. whatever his <laughs> name was. Um, the, the, you know, but, but yeah, like, you know, it was you didn't get the sense that Sarah Jane stopped whatever she learned from the doctor, which I don't know because I haven't seen those classic episodes, mm-hmm. but whatever she learned from her experiences with being with the doctor, she didn't forget them. And, and she's still, you know, not, not just living that way, but has built on it since yeah. then. And you get the sense that that's the road that Rose is going. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and the exile that she's in even though we lose the family unit, she hasn't lost a family unit. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's growing, mm-hmm. you know, because literally growing inside her mother is a sibling, right. you know, and, like and it's, Pete too, you know, is yeah. And Pete is, is the yeah, dad I she mean, never had. Yeah. And obviously can never be exactly her dad because he is isn't right. Yeah. But you know, can, can provide something of a, of a, um, surrogate experience there. Mm-hmm. for her so yeah and you, you know, get you get that pride with the same thing as good for you sarah jane is uh you know his pride with that saying rose tyler defender of the earth you know that yeah i've trained you well young sire now right you, <laughs> go forth yeah. and you know like not and, i mean i don't and think even though that wasn't right clearly i don't that think that's his intention intent. but right but he takes pride in that and that she's she will keep living and will keep yeah. you know She's and, not just going to sit there and pine for him for the rest of her days. No. Right, right. And she shouldn't. And we're glad to see that she isn't. Right. No, absolutely. And so, um, yeah, like, I don't, I mean, as far as the doctor ever has any intention, like, certainly, right. I don't think he's like, has an intention of like making an army of companions no. who are out there doing yeah. good things. But I think it's, like you said, it's, it is, it's nice to see that they continue living the way that they've discovered by being with him yeah. to live. Uh, again, going back to discussions like we've talked about with, with Jackie, you know, Oh, well I've worked in shops, but that's not good enough for Rose anymore. She mm-hmm. talks about that even in the, in the last season finale, you know, yeah. um, you, you know, talking about, it's not a good enough way to live to just sort of sit back and not participate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that, I mean, Rose is obviously the clear example of that, but Mickey too. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that she's with Mickey and even her mother, who <clears throat> I guess the question that I asked briefly, um, not in the same context, but but um, I think applies here, is who do we consider an actual companion mm-hmm. um, for the doctor? So uh, I was going to go, I was going to mention Jackie, and I, was, and I was about to say Jackie, who is even a bit of a companion, right? I mean, yeah. we, we, we've talked a little bit about that and just, um, not just because she sort of pretended to be Rose, but she actually has ridden in the TARDIS and, um, been by the doctor's side, helping him. Yep. It, sometimes helping him more than others, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I think there's definitely, definitely changes, for all of them that are positive. And I think that's the sort of thing that you can take away from it <clears throat> is yes. Selfishly, I don't get to see Billy Piper every week, but from a character perspective, 
Rose is with people who love her and people who will help her continue growing in that way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and, and you don't, yeah, you get the sense that things are only going to continue to, um, not that things are always going to get better, but that she's going to continue working to make them better. And will probably, we can assume, I think that, that she will continue to become more effective at making things better. Right. Right. <laughs> um, in, in the world that they're in. Um, wow. We've talked for a long time. We didn't really set an end time for this for us. Um, what, so I guess, um, from a character perspective, I mean, we don't need to obviously go back and talk about all the minor characters and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I sort of glossed over Mickey and Jackie. Are there anything you want to mention about them or even Pete or, or anyone? No, I think, I think we hit on everything either here or in our discussion, like during the episodes. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have anything new to add at this point. Yeah. My my irritation level with Mickey is far different than it used to be. So that's, that's good. good. That's, that's a good. good thing. That's a positive Im- improvement. It is. History. I and I I didn't expect him to be your favorite character because he's certainly not mine. But um, no, but I did no. tell you not to dismiss Mickey in the beginning, and and right. I think we were right not to. He's at least gone in the right direction. I mean. I don't think he's anybody's favorite character, but that's okay. You know, (laughs) not everybody can be. Exactly. Um, So the doctor himself. Yes. I still stand by my statement that I think Christopher Eccleston was a goofier doctor. Goofier. Okay. Goofier doctor. Okay. I mean that, you know, we're going to have more of Tennant. So that's. Yeah. And I guess maybe, maybe it's a, it's a quibble over what exactly we mean by goofy. Um, yeah, well, that yeah, we we've talked a little bit about that, but I just wanted to throw that in there because that was my first, that was my initial impression. Yeah, and I'm I'm you're sticking to it. I I'm thick-headedly sticking to it. Like, yeah. No, no, I think I mean, and I don't mean to say that David Tennant never had any goofy moments as the eleventh or the tenth Doctor, um, but I don't know. There's just something about the way. Well, one, the way Chris Frost Eccleston looks, but also <laughs> the way he just sort of acts. And and yes, they both have their moments of real, you know, serious and direness. Yeah. And, but and they both have their ser- moments of goofiness. But I just think sort of from an overall perspective, having seen them each for one season at mm-hmm. this point, uh I'm I'm sticking by that particular And are you so just to define your terms, are you are you putting is is goofy a sort of synonym with humorous, or is that particular kind of humor? Um, I think it's no, yeah. I wouldn't say it's synonymous with humorous. It would be a, a subset of of humor and sort of. I I I think Christopher Eccleston is a little awkward. Um, and yeah, and I maybe think, that's and I think that's what it is. Um, that could be it. Because I think. I think the doctor, when he regenerates into the tenth, is unburdened in a way, and is sort of, at least for this first season, is a, a sort of, more happy-go-lucky, mm-hmm. having a good time. Okay. Uh, I love traveling around with Rose. Isn't this great? You know, still has that, that edge underneath, but um, but I think of him in this season as more comedic than. Eccleston is in the first seat in his season, but, yeah. but I think Eccleston is goofy in the sense of a little, like when, 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 when he gets that smile, it's, it's not quite, it's a little forced. It's a little, it doesn't quite sit right. And I think that works with his sort of PTSD. I've just gotten out of the time war that, you know, that he's kind of having to relearn how to be funny and how to be, um, you know, sort of casual again. Like, it seems yeah. like it doesn't, he's kind of forgotten how to do it. Um, hmm. That's how it seems. So maybe the goofiness is that it's it's a little, there's something a little left of center. Well, and- Whereas I feel like Tennant is more straightforwardly comedic. Um, yes, me. I would say that. I, I would agree with that. That sort of sentiment. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I realize that I, my term isn't extremely well-defined, so 
Well, no, I'm just trying to. I don't know that I have. Trying to figure out what 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 you mean. <laughs> I, it's just, I mean, it's just the sense that I get the the way he. It is the smile. I think you're right to sort of <laughs> sort of talk about that. Is is that? But it's also sort of the way. Um, I don't know. Just like Tennant is more of a wit. Yeah. Than Goofy. Yes. If I can make and, that distinction. And I think I said that in the first, when we were first talking about this, when he started, was it's more to do with the dialogue. And it's less yes. about the way he looks, and it's more about the way he delivers or the, the way line. He, or yeah. the way he acts, even. Yeah. Just kind of the... Yeah. Doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, I, I don't know, maybe we haven't come a whole lot closer to... <laughs> to an answer. To well, clarify and I think my... And I think at the end of the day, you go, well, they all do the doctor in slightly different ways. So it's basically all the doctor and it's just, well, he delivers a line one way and he delivers it another way, but they're really all the same guy underneath. And, and I don't dislike David Tennant at all. Like I'm, that's not, that's not a criticism, criticism of him to say like, I think he should be goofier. No, no, it's it's just just, a different, it's a different quality. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Just something that, uh, Something that I noticed. Okay. Anyway, probably can talk about other things besides <laughs> relative well, goofiness of the doctors. And well, and I think the other thing that like they kind of again doing the same thing but in different ways that they seem sort of opposites to me is that like I was saying, like Eccleston is sort of in my view having to sort of relearn, you know, sort of happiness. I guess um, hmm. it's he seems more. Tough on the exterior, tough leather jacket. I don't need anybody. But you scratch the surface, and you do find someone sort of warm and goofy and nice underneath. You know that that the toughness is kind of a front for the more sort of human, vulnerable character. You know that you don't really get to see until you're further into the story. Hmm. And then I think when that could Ten- be. and I think when Tennant comes along, that's reversed a little bit. I think on the surface. He's having Christmas dinner, he's smiling, he's having a great time, and then it's only ever it's only occasionally when Rose is threatened or when something right. upsets him that you get that sort of steely hard exterior underneath, which I think a lot of the time yeah. he keeps covered up. So I don't know that either of those things has changed. I think it's maybe more of a little bit of a reversal that mm. the the surface and the and the core have sort of switched places a little bit. But yeah, that's just be. how I see it. That could be. So, yeah, well, anyway, it'll be interesting to see how. But now, I mean, I think now that we've got to see, I mean, Christopher Eccleston only had one season. So we didn't right. really get to see what he would have done if he'd gone further. How would he have developed the character? We yeah. don't get that opportunity. Now we've had a season with David Tennant, and he is going to do more. So... I think he 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 doesn't play the character static. It will change. So it'll sure. be interesting to see not just contrast one actor versus the other, but okay, now we've seen a character for more than one season. How does the character grow and change and go in different directions? So it's going to be kind of interesting well, going and, forward. And the obvious comparison is using the leaving behind of Rose and, and her family, you know, as a as a point of uh, you know, as a turning point, I guess, so yeah. to speak. So, like, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, well, is that a turning point? It almost seems like it has to be. Uh, um, I think it certainly and, is. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and so, you know, where where does his personality go from there? Um, yeah. I don't know. It's a good question. I guess we'll see. We will see. Um, so you wanted to talk a little bit about Torchwood? I or, well, I guess, is there anything else... Doctor wise or any of the other characters or, or even just in general? Uh I don't have anything unless you do. Okay. No, I'm good. Alright. So I do want to mention Torchwood, um, because it's at this point that Torchwood spins off. Um the premiere of that show was in October of two thousand six. Um okay. and I think it was over by the early spring. So season one kind of takes place between seasons two and three of Doctor Who. Um, okay. 
and uh, it was, I mean, obviously created by Russell T. Davies and his team. So at this point, Russell Davies is doing, has this dynasty of Doctor Who, Torchwood, and the Sarah Jane adventures that they're all kind of... Oh, right. Like, it was almost like around the clock, year round, you had something sort of Doctor Who related going on. Um, And after that, it was, uh, I think after the first season, it was... um, run and produced by a writer called Chris Chibnall, who's someone we'll see in Doctor Who, who he pops up and writes uh, episodes occasionally. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just kind of want to set it up because I don't think we should intercut Doctor Who and Torchwood. I think, you know, maybe someday down the road when we're finished, we can, maybe that's a candidate for another show to do a podcast on. But I don't think, even though there's, they're in the same world and there is a little bit of crossover. There's not that much crossover and they're not very similar in almost any way. I think okay. it would be a distraction rather. I think we would be looking at our watches going, when can we get back to the doctor rather than like actually enjoying the cross cutting. Um, right. And it's, and because of the way that it's run, we would have to do a full season. A full of season, it and before I just, we got back to I the just, doctor. Gotcha. D- that doesn't appeal to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, so you know, so if you or if any of our listeners would like to go off and watch Torchwood, I would say now's the point to do it. And I would say maybe um, there's enough crossover that I would watch season one and then wait until we finished season three of Doctor Who before you go okay. into you know. You don't want to have spoilers for there are there Doctor are Who thing. there are other characters who sort of crop up in one or the other that you know a, a, you know guest star in each other's shows so you you know you might not want to go past the first season but um, now would be the point to do that if you want to do season one and I will set up the basic premise which is that so they call this the Battle of Canary Wharf is where. Torchwood London gets destroyed by the the Cybermen and the Daleks and everything. Cybermen and, that's sort and of, Daleks. Yeah. yeah, and that's sort of the inciting incident for you get you kind of get introduced to this idea that there are multiple Torchwoods and Torchwood London was maybe the main branch, but it sort of wiped out, and that was the really like corrupt, power driven regime. But then you get hints of other Torchwoods. Um, kind of running their own units. And one of them is Cardiff, you know, and I alluded to the fact that that has to do with the Cardiff rift and everything. And that's a site of alien activity because they sort of get, they fall through this rift and, you know, thug aliens sort of turn up in Cardiff and you need Torchwood to kind of come in and mop them up. Um, And we saw Eve Miles as the actress who played Gwyneth in the unquiet dead and she kind of comes in as a a, a police officer yes. who encounters torchwood and gets involved with them um and the other lead character is as you might have wondered or guessed captain jack harkness played by john barrowman so yes. he uh does sort of take the lead role in that show so if you like captain jack Oh, okay. You get plenty more of him. I'm not saying we won't see him and or that there won't be any crossover, but um but his main his sort of main persona is is to do with Torchwood. Yeah. Um Well, and cuz I bugged you before about now, Captain, about Jack. Captain yep. Jack and when we get to see him and yep. I knew he wasn't just going to be left behind forever on Forever. No. No, uh, he's definitely not. Um and so I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to say to set that up. Um, I guess I guess that's it. You know that it it's very different. I mean, they kind of consciously make a decision to be adult in a way okay. that Doctor Who. So it's basically Doctor Who, but with a lot of sex, a lot of swearing, and a lot of violence. So it's sort of like. Doctor Who. Well, you already minus, said Captain Jack was in it, so. and and <laughs> Captain Jack, uh, it, yeah, has no he has no um, boundaries in terms of 
who he gets into encounters with. So it's a little it's a little funny to go from <laughs> encounters of any variety. Encounters yeah. of any variety. Any and every variety. So gotcha. it's definitely a different feel. Um Okay. But so I guess that's about about all I'd say. So and oh, well the other thing I did want to say is I think I said this to you that it in a funny way reminds me a lot of Agents of Shield. Um Oh which really? It well because you get this you know kind of you know female lead character who gets involved with this sort of elite team of you know I don't know like the the idea of Gwen sort of the police officer getting involved in Torchwood and investigating aliens and all this stuff mm-hmm. is very similar to is it Sky in Shield who sort of is right from the outside and kind of She's kind of one of them, but she's not really, and sort of right, teaming she's up. Not yet, and yeah. what makes and it she even... has kind of her own ulterior motives. Exactly, too. and 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 um, and you get this idea of the the character who you know from other media. So you have Agent Coulson and Captain Jack, like we've know them from other things, kind of as not really the protagonist, but but the kind of lead, you know, mm. that we're familiar with them from before we start. And we know that, um, much like Agent Coulson, Jack was brought back to life by Rose. That, you know, that there was this, he got exterminated right. by Daleks, and she brought life and brought him back. Mm, um, and they make something of a story point of that. Um, that becomes part of his character. Um, it's not just a straightforward sort of fix. So as I was watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I was going, gosh, this is a lot like an American version of Torchwood, but if you watch it, you can tell me whether you agree. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, on that note, then I guess the only other thing to say is that we are going to be back pretty soon. 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 Yeah. Pretty soon. soon. <laughs> very, very soon. Um, <laughs> And uh, <laughs> with our with our Christmas special yep. for for the beginning of season three or the I, yeah it's the, the beginning of the next series right is technically yeah yeah or, or the I mean, the, bri- yeah, the bridge yeah, it's to the kind next of a bridge because it's really it's really continuing I mean we saw with the bride it continues on right the next okay. second so it, <laughs> it does continue right from where she gets beamed up yes basically yes it does. Yeah, so it's more of a, more of a sort of closing of that story arc than it is an oh, opening okay. well, to a story. But um, I mean, there is a story because it we saw it begin, but we don't really know much about it yeah. at this point. The the bride part. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very interesting. Well, anyway. Okay. So we'll be we'll we'll be back in a few days with that, and until then, I guess uh, have a good time and. Take care.